The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uri here. And guys, it's, it's near the end of the regular season, we don't have much more to go, and it's the perfect time to do the award segment of our podcast. We're going to give out NBA awards, we're going to debate them a little bit, but before we do that, Chris, we got a game to talk about, don't we? Yeah, so we are going to talk about the Sixers' 131-122 to victory over Indiana. On the road, Lucas, 45 points, 13 rebounds for Joel Embiid on 60% shooting from the field, hit two of three from beyond the arc in this game, only had three turnovers. Tyrese Maxey, 30 points, 9 of 12 from the field, 8 of 11 from three, setting a new career high. Had seven of those eight threes in the first half, I believe. Seven assists for him, 11 points 14 dimes for James Harden 17 6 and 5 for Tobias both those guys were pretty efficient I would say it was a pretty great night around offensively defensively um, not so much Indiana was able to put on some runs late to stay in the game but Lucas what were some of your big takeaways well first off I'm gonna have to disagree with you I don't think James Harden was especially efficient especially from the three-point line only two of seven from there but, I mean, in terms of, like, playmaking, perfect game. You know, if, if this is what we get from Harden and we have Embiid, uh, you know, Embiid go off as well as either Maxi or Tobias, I can live with this. So a couple of stats that I want to throw out here to you, Chris. With this 45-13 and 13 game, Joel Embiid has now tied both Russell Westbrook and Moses Malone for the most 40-point and 10-rebound games in a single season. Both other players had won MVP that season. Throwing that out there. Yeah. Definitely going to well, talk about that later. That, well, hey, hey, just... Shouldn't have won, but yeah, it, it's a pretty important stat. Yeah. The other thing is, Chris, you talked about, you know, Maxi setting a career high in three-pointers. He set a, th- a, a Sixers. I, I'm pretty sure he set the Sixers single game season, you know, single game record for three-pointers made in a game. And the Sixers made... No, Sixers as a whole. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Maybe the half. I, I don't no, think no, 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 no. The, yeah, I'm pretty sure, Chris. If you want to look it up, by all means. I swore I saw. I heard them say it multiple times on the broadcast. The and Sixers I'm, broke the franchise record. I don't I, think Tyrese broke the single game record. Well, let's Google it. Yeah, the record is nine. Um, that was Danny Green. So. Okay, so one short of it. My bad. But still, Chris, eight three-pointers by a second-year guy who shot 30% last year. Astounding. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely astounding. He le- I think he's fifth in the league right now in terms of three-point percentage. We're tied for fifth with, like, Mike Muscala or something. I mean, weird. Yeah, Maxie's having, like, the best under-21 shooting season 
outside of Steph Curry, like ever. Like it's pretty yeah. absurd that he's as good as he is, given that he was a pretty weak shooter coming out of college. Like mm-hmm. it's a testament to his work ethic and his talent. I think he's shooting around five a game right now, Chris. If he attempts around like if he can keep this percentage up around maybe seven to eight attempts a game, you could put him up there as one of the top ten shooters in the league easily. Um so there's that. He had seven assists as well. Um there was that the ejection the double the flagrant two by Jordan. I don't think it was a flagrant two. I think it was a flagrant one. And because yeah. he was making I think he was making a play at the ball. It looked like he was making a play at the ball. I think the you know, contact was incidental. Yeah, I, I mean I like to be fair, it was probably a good thing for the Sixers. So. It was a good thing for the Sixers, but not still, to be, not to be mean spirited. But Jordan generally continues to underperform, so it's not like it really affected the Sixers in a negative way. No, no. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to, you know, even though he's not a good player anymore, he didn't deserve a flagrant two. Um, that being said. I think the bench looked probably the best it had all year. Danny Green was like the one sore spot. Uh, not all year, all since the James Harden trade, probably. Danny Green was the one sore spot shooting wise. Yang had a solid game. Shake Milton is starting. If Shake Milton can get back to like averaging 13 points a game like he did last season, the Sixers' scoring issues are significantly less. I will say that. Um, but from the Pacers side, real quick, Chris, um, I think uh, – what's his name? Um, Smith, uh, Jalen Smith. I think he's going to thrive in Indiana. I think he's going to – I don't know if he's going to live up to being a lottery pick, but he's going to be a good rotation big for a long time. Of course, Tyrese Hallenburden looked great. Uh, they got some young talent there. I, I like the young talent. I think they have building blocks for the future, and they're going to get their veterans back next season too. What who knows what's gonna happen with Indy? Yeah, um, I mean, like Caliburton's a really special player. They, like you said, they have a lot of young guys who are kind of overperforming right now, which is normally a good sign when it comes to a rebuild. Um, you know, T.J. McConnell, Justin Anderson, some former Sixers. It's nice to see them get out there a little bit. T.J.'s been out for a while. This was his first game back in I think at least a month or two, so that was nice to see. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, a really Lance great game. Yeah, Lance had a good game in, in nine minutes, 10 points, um, but a minus 16. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the Lance. It's Lance Stevenson. No. Um, yeah, look, the Sixers offense, I'm generally not concerned. It's the defense that continues to just pop up as an issue. I know they're like top 10 on the season still, but. They're just not really connected on that side of the ball. They have a lot of weaknesses. Um, you know, there's some real concern on the defensive end. They let Indiana back into this game when that really should not have been a close game in the fourth quarter. But an impressive offensive game. You score 130 points. You get career nights from Tyrese. Joel had 45. Like, you'll take that for the most part any day of the week. So a lot of positives. So let's go ahead and do the season awards. We're going to do, you know, individual awards for first, Chris. So let me ask you, who is your top three for rookie of the year? 
Um, I got Scotty Barnes at three, Evan Mobley at two, and Cade Cunningham at one. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you are in the minority there, my friend, because most pundits will not have Cade one. I will yeah. tell you now. Uh, yeah, I get that sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I had Cade three, Mobley two, and Scotty Barnes one. I had Mobley in the lead for most of the season, but the Cavs falling in his injury – I think just kind of in the fact that, you know, the the Raptors are surging at the right time. I think they're fifth in the East right now. So we would actually match up against them right now, if I'm correct, Chris, right? Yeah. Well, which I don't think any Sixers fan wants, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, I I have to put Scotty Barnes there. I mean, he's arguably the third best player on that team. Yeah. I, I mean, look, all three guys have really strong cases. Obviously, Mobley and Barnes have been contributors for winning teams, which is not that common, even for the top four picks. Um, with Cade, obviously, he was injured to start the season, got off to a bit of a rough start as he worked his way back from an ankle injury. But like, like none of the rookies have hit the highs that Cade has hit this season. So it kind of just comes down to what you're valuing there. Like, I think I read today that Cade has like more 25, five and five games than all the other rookies combined. Like Cade, when he has been on, has reached levels that none of the other guys have touched until maybe Jalen Green the last week or two of the season here. So that's why I have Cade at number one. I think he's been the best player when he's been at his best. Obviously, Mobley has been consistently great for a good team all season. So Scotty Mobley... Like, not to spoil anything, he's going to be on one of my all-defense teams. So he, he's been an absurdly talented rookie. And not many rookies impact the game both ways. They all have good cases. Cade has had a lot less help. He's kind of been the focal point for defenses with a pretty bad team around him all year. Mobley and Barnes have been in pretty ideal circumstances. So there, there are a lot of factors to weigh. All those guys are deserving. It's kind of like the MVP race where there are, like, three really good candidates. Um, but Cade is who I ended up picking. I mean, Cade, you, you make a valid argument. My only counterpoint to this is that Cade's the clear-cut number one player on their team. If Mobley and Barnes were given the same amount of touches and the same amount of focus on the offensive end that those two were given, I, I that Cade was given, you could I could see them putting up similar numbers, to be honest with you, Chris. That, that's my only counter-argument. Yeah, I, I don't know if those guys are on Kate's level offensively. I, I think they're better defenders, especially have been this season. I think that's where their cases are strongest, especially with Mobley. But, uh, yeah, you, you certainly have a fair point. Like, Kate has gotten more chances to kind of freestyle than those two have, which is, mm-hmm. like, for sure. So let's go ahead to our next award, Chris, which is going to be the most improved player. Um, I, I, I'm interested to hear your, your list here. Uh, yeah, pretty tough one for me. Um, this is a tough, this is a tough, this always is a tough award because the criteria is so hard to like pin down. I I have Robert Williams at three. Okay. I have Gary Scarland at two and I have John Morant at one. I only had one of the three that you mentioned, but I don't hate the other two. I, I would push back more against the Garland a little bit because I think the the difference is that he just didn't have to share the ball with Colin Sexton. That being said, I, I don't mind your list. Here's mine. 
I got Tyrese Maxey three. Got to give the Sixers some love there. And let's be real. Even though he's a second year player, the jump that he's had is un- uncharacteristic for a second year player. That's not a lottery pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. John Morant, number two. I, you, but, and I'll tell you why he's not number two, not number one. And number one is Miles Bridges. Okay. Yeah. So here's Tyrese, like I said, uncharacteristic jump for a second year player, especially not a lottery pick. John Moran. John Moran was the second overall pick, Chris. And you expect a guy who's the second overall pick to get to the level that he's at at some point in his career. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I'll grant you, and the reason why he's on my list too, is that the jump was so dramatic from being a non all star to being an MVP candidate. Now, he ended, spoiler, he didn't end up being in my top five MVP, but. He could have been, very much could have been. Miles Bridges, I don't think we – we last year Miles Bridges was like the athletic guy that comes off the bench, does a little bit of everything, gives you highlight dunks. Chris, we didn't expect Miles Bridges to come in and average 20 points this season. We didn't. And, I I, I mean, he was a end-of-the-lottery pick type of guy, 12th pick I think overall. Like, he's solid. But I don't think we expected him to jump from like 10 to 12 points a game to, to 20 on pretty good efficiency too and become more of a playmaker and more better rebounder. Yeah. Just didn't I, happen. So I have, that's why I have Bridges number one. Yeah. I, I think Bridges is a totally real candidate. I, I think the Grizzlies have a couple other viable candidates like mm-hmm. Devin Bain and Jared Jackson. Oh yeah, of course. The reason I went with draw is just cause he made like either the hardest or the most important leap is how I, like you said, he went from being like a, the best player sort of maybe on his team to being an MVP candidate, which is a pretty mm-hmm. major jump. Like that leap to superstardom is not the only reason Memphis is the two seed, but it's the only reason they have a semi-realistic chance to win the West. It's because of mm-hmm. the transformation that Jaw has made. Yeah. Um, like that, that's just a really hard leap to make. So that's why I put him at number one. Um, but there are like, as you said, four or five, six other guys who could, pretty credibly be put there so i'm not mad at any of your picks cool cool i'm glad that we're not mad at each other let's go ahead to the coach of the year chris who's your top three all right so monty williams is my number one he should have won last year um taylor jenkins is my number two and my number three is jb bickerstaff in cleveland so yeah so we have two of the same we both agree on number one monty I don't know if he should have won it last year, but he definitely deserves it this year. I think we were. On, I think we actually had a long argument about Monty versus Thibodeau last year. Yeah, well, um, well, now now we know for sure. I think you were arguing Monty. <laughs> you were right. I'll I'll back off on that. But and you have Bickerstaff at three. I have him at two. My number three is Ime Udoka, former Sixers assistant. Chris, the turnaround that he did, not only in terms of like midseason turnaround, because they were a horrendous offensive team, and now he has them clicking on all four cylinders. The d- player development of Rob Williams, like you said, the point guard development of Marcus Smart, who's spoiler going to be on one of my other lists, actually, a couple of my other lists, um, is fantastic. And the fact that he, he got the culture change from being iso ball to being a you know fluid offense. I, I think you have to include email on here. 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, have to is a strong word. Again, there are a lot of guys who have cases here. Eric yeah, and Taylor Jenkins is not a bad choice either. Yeah, I think no, Eric Spolstra is a guy I really very strongly considered. You can make a case for, like, Ty Lue and what he's done with the Clippers mm-hmm. despite all their injuries. Um, like, like Memphis is the two seed in the West, even with the leap that Jaw has made. It, it's, it's still pretty absurd. Like, that is not a roster you would look at and immediately think, you know, high 50 61 team and second seed in the west like oh yeah no taylor jenkins i thought was my dark horse i'm pretty sure he was my dark horse last year and they've been really good without jaw really good with um taylor jenkins has done a really good job with that team he's my number two monty has like turned phoenix into a juggernaut which is a lot of the credit to a lot of people there but he clearly changed the culture because that was a pretty rough couple of years that phoenix had before he got there Chris, it was toxic. Trust me, I covered the team for a year. It yeah, I, I mean, it's like just seriously impressive what he's been able to accomplish there. So, should have this should be like his second win in a row, frankly, as I said earlier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he's gonna win and he deserves it. I, you know what, fair cases on all of them. Taylor Jenkins probably would have been my fourth or fifth option. But Chris, let's go ahead to the sixth man of the year, and I don't think we're gonna disagree on who's the top one, but I'm curious to see who the other two were. All right, I think we are going to disagree on who the top one is. I, oh, I really? put a lot of thought into this. Oh, my gosh. Are you going to not choose who I think you're not going to choose? Um, Cam Johnson is my number three. Ooh, okay, okay, three. Okay, I was um, about to say. My number two is Ooh. Tyler Hero. What? And my number one is Kevin Love. What? Oh, my mind is literally on the back of my wall right now. Like, Have you been drinking, Chris? No. <laughs> I haven't. Just okay. 21, but... It's not the most points scored award. We we need to move past that. As okay. Okay. Tyler okay. Hero is awesome. He's a make really your case player. before you my list. Make your case. Make your case. I I appreciate Tyler Hero and all that he does, but like Kevin Love's contributions across the board have been pretty drastic and important for the Cavs this year. Um, you know, he's pretty much better in every capacity except scoring the most points when you compare him to hero like like his playmaking from the center spot his shooting his defense his his leadership on the court his connective tissue stuff rebounding like like love's been really integral in making all the pieces fit together there he's really bought into a role that not everyone was sure he would buy into and he's been a really positive force there on and off the court um like he obviously doesn't get a lot of love no pun intended in this this conversation because everyone's just looking at hero averaging 21 a game for the heat and and like granted strong case he's averaging 21 a game for the one seed i i get it totally deserving win when he inevitably does win but um kevin love has done a lot of good and not to like I don't know. It it would be cool if the guy who won wasn't just the guy who's scoring the most points off the bench. You know what I mean? I think there are more ways to impact the game coming off the bench than just scoring. Jordan Clarkson was not the best sick man on his own team last year when he won. Like you had this conversation. We kind of just need to expand our horizons. So that's why my pick is love. I, I, I think he's right there with Hero. I get it, but Hero's like a really bad defender. He, he's scoring a lot of points on a lot of shots, but he's not like the greatest six man of all time or anything. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Love just to change things up a bit. 
Okay, so I didn't really think of Cam Johnson because he has started a decent amount of games. But here's my top three. Number three, Kevin Love. All the reasons you said, I think he's great. He's researched. He's found his niche now as he aged in the NBA. Good rebounder, good passer, good um, good shooter. And I remember there were portions of the season where I was thinking I almost would rather have Kevin Love than Tobias Harris. If we're going to be paying a lot of money to somebody and that would be a more natural fit to Joel if we're not going to be able to trade Simmons, That that's where my thought was. So number two. Kill Ubre. Here's my reason why. This guy arguably was a solid, like, you know, top 20 small forward two seasons ago in Phoenix, right? He has a rough time in, in Golden State, comes back to rehabilitate his image with the Hornets, takes the sixth man role. And Chris, he, he's scoring like 15, 16 points a game, but he's had a couple of games where he's just taken over and has scored like. 30 to 40 points in a game like the, and he's and he's a two-way player like he plays defense too and he's yeah. a wing and I just I, I like that I like that and I got Tyler Hero and granted yeah you're right he's not good on on defense I'll give you that Sixers hunted him like crazy he's my counterpoint you can you could argue that in terms of Playoff basketball, he will be the most important offensive player on the team because Jimmy Butler is not is is going to struggle in the half court now because he's his shots not falling like he used to. Yeah, Bam Adebayo pretty limited offensively. So, granted, I will say Bam is probably the best player on that team. You could argue, and it mm-hmm. might be a decent argument that Tyler Hero might be better than Jimmy Butler at this point. Um, well, uh, two counterpoints is one that it's a regular season award. And two, uh, the flip side is also true, where they're just going to target him every possession, and he might get played off the floor defensively, as the Sixers again did not long ago. It's not; they're not the only team to have done that this year. So, the it's kind of a double-edged sword with him. But look, that, I don't even know if I really believe Kevin Love deserves it more than Tyler Hero. But I, I kind of just want to embrace guys who do more than just score the ball off the bench you know what I mean? and, and i can respect that and you know what any other year where tyler here is not scoring 21 points per game i'd probably be in the same boat as you sure let's give it to kevin love i you know what i might even switch him and kelly uber you know what i would i'll have kevin love my second and uber can be my third but at the end of the day chris i just i can't I can't a good favor like yeah. kevin thought like probably the fifth best player on his team Heroes clearly is the second or third. Uh, well, I don't know if I believe that. He's probably the fourth or fifth. But I, mm, I agree to disagree. Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle are all better players. By far, I would say. Better yeah. two-way players, yes. But well, yeah, more better important players. Like, uh, I don't know, Chris. I don't know. Well, let's look, we're gonna we could argue that for like forever. So let's just go to defensive player of the year. And this one, I'm interested in because I think we're gonna have some parity here. <sighs> All right, y'all are gonna be so mad at me. Um, I might not. You might be mad at me, actually. Number three, I have Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay. Number two, I have Giannis. And uh, number I one, Rudy Gobert. 
I, I I had a lot of internal debate about this. I went a lot I, of my different directions, ball. and at some point, I just had to go back to True North. I, I picked Rudy Gobert again. Oh my gosh! If I'm mm, sorry, I'm not going to punch a wall because I'm not <laughs> not, I'm not not an angry person. Same but old thought, Chris. Same, same old Chris. Chris. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Chris is, you're so you're. Oh god, it's predictable. It's predictable. <laughs> See, I feel like you did this just to get me and Uriah mad. No, I it's feel not. like it was quite literally like down to the wire. I've been thinking about it all day and I've had like seven different names go through my top three, but I, okay. I landed on Rudy. Uh, frankly, it's almost embarrassing, but it's it's just like if you're not certain, you kind of got to go with the guy who, who no, brings it no. at that level all the time. You know, you were afraid to make a decision. So you went with the safe option. Shame on you, sir. Shame on you. All right. Here's my top three. Number three, Mikael Bridges. I, I, you could argue that he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. He anchors the defense for. I, you can say he's the best defensive player on the best team in the NBA. Yes, better than Aiden. Jaron Jackson Jr. Like you said, be solid, two a defensive guy, three and D power forward. You know, really has really stepped up defensively this year. Number one, I think this is going to shock both of you guys. And it was between two players on the same team. But I gave it to the guy that's currently playing right now. And I had to give it to Marcus Smart. Yeah, I, I don't, that's not very surprising. I, I think I knew you were going to make that pick. You think you knew I was going to make that? Okay. You kind of talked, you talked about it. but I, I mean, it was either between him and Rob Williams. And the only reason why Rob didn't get it is because he's injured right now yeah i i i think i think that's a fair pick um i I mean if i had picked one of the boston guys and i almost did like have him on the list it would have been rob but i mean both have a valid case both have a valid case i agree 100 mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. yeah i don't know with rudy i i think it's like valid to say this hasn't even been his best season i think the jazz have the tenth, yeah i was about yeah, to say the, the jazz, jazz are slipped a little bit they but frankly he's like the one good defender on a really bad defensive team and he's done a lot of holding that group together when they've been kind of falling apart at the seams and i don't know there's still like like no one forces offenses to just veer out of the paint quite like Rudy does. So, end of the day, I, I just went with Rudy because he's the best defender in the NBA, pretty much. But mm -hmm. you can make a case for a few guys. Yeah. I think defensive player of the years is more contested than it had been in years past. Um, okay, Chris. Last one. MVP. I think if we're going by the, the poll that, me, that you did on the website, like, earlier this week, I... Has your list changed? Uh, no, it hasn't. Okay. So I have Luca number five. I have Devin Booker at four, Giannis three, Joel two, and Jokic at one. Okay. Here's my top five, and then we'll get into it. Damar five, Booker four, Giannis three, Jokic two, Joel one. And I will agree with Sheldon because Sheldon said this on our Slack feed that Joel is solidifying his MVP case now. Because here's the thing, Chris. Joel has three more games, right? We have three more games after, right? Right now, right? Am I right, Uriah? Three, yep. three more? Okay, so we have three more games. Chris, he only needs one more 40-point game, and he sets the single-season record for most 40 and 10 games in a single season. Yeah. 
Chris, you like it. That certainly helps. And you could make And the other thing is, like I said earlier, um, well, actually, no, I didn't say this. Chris, he's the lead leader, lead league leader right now in points per game at 30.3, right? Yep. 30.4. Totally a valid point. The other thing that I want to point out here too, is that people will say, Oh, his case is hurt now with James Harden. Not really. If you think about it like this, yep. James Harden is not the James Harden that he once was. Mm-hmm. We all agree there. Yep. Joel, in a way, I mean, granted, James Harden is fantastic playmaker, still is, and is certainly helping Joel get some easy baskets here and there, right? But Joel would still be scoring those, you know, scoring 30-plus points a game without that, right? Yeah. He's basically carrying along a 70% James Harden, losing his valuable backup center and floor spacer, and still keeping the Sixers in the top four, you know, in the East. You can make that argument. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a valid argument. 99% of years, Joel, like, runs away with this, and we're not even having the conversation. Um, really the same for Giannis, too. Like, the top three have all put up seasons that, sh- like, really should be winning MVP, and it's going to suck that two of them don't win MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, like with Jokic, like the thing is, you could like point to all the records he's broken, all the historic things he's done. It, it like no one has ever put up the combination of points, rebounds, and assists that he has. He's doing it on like absurd efficiency relative to how often he touches the ball and all that he has to do in that offense. He's doing it with a pretty crappy roster around him, given the guys who are hurt. But like both. Okay, guys- okay. O- outside of Tyrese Maxey. Can you definitively say the Sixers roster is that much better, especially the bench, than what the Nuggets have? Yeah, I I think it's like Philly has more top-end talent around Joel, and the Nuggets probably have a better bench. But, um, you know, Denver's entire roster has kind of plummeted the last month. Um, Even Jokic has had a couple of... (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I again, both guys have really strong cases. They're, like, Joel is a very close number two. I, I would personally like for him to win very much. I, I think it'd be great. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I like that we both have Booker and Giannis at three and four. Th- those kind of seem like locks, don't they? Yeah. Um, I, I think the Booker campaign has picked up pretty strong steam. And, and it's, a fair, it's a fair argument, but like, you have three big men doing what they're doing. Yeah. Like, if it was, like, five years ago, Booker would probably have a legit case. Like, if you saw his stats versus the other guys, he'd probably be a – maybe even win it. Let's be real. If it was th- five or six years ago, these guys weren't putting up the numbers that they are now, and you just had, like, LeBron and Steph and all of them. Booker putting up these numbers and his team where they're at, Booker might actually win it. Yeah. Now I I'm curious. Why do you have Luca over Demar at number five? Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, it's really just kind of a crapshoot at that point. I think Luca. I don't think it's a crapshoot. I think there's some quality candidates. No, I mean like Luca, Demar, Jaw, and Tatum all have cases, and Steph even like uh, crapshoot in the sense that you could go any which way and not mm-hmm. really be wrong. I guess that maybe isn't the right 
turn of phrase to use. Um, I, I just don't like the fact that Luca started out slow. He yeah, took two months to true. ramp up. Luca did start out slow. Um, DeMar's I mean, pretty consistent. It's just his team's not been healthy. Yeah, all, all gonna... the guys have had like one or two knocks against them at this point in the list. Like Steph had a really strong start and then kind of tapered off. Jaw's been hurt a lot. DeMar's not really through any fault of his own, but his team's been up and down. And he, he had some injury stuff there too. And then you look at, you know, um, Tatum, who also had kind of a slow start and then picked up steam mm-hmm. a la Luca. Um, end of the day, like the Mavs shouldn't be a top four seed. And that's not all because of Luca. They've like outperformed defensively. But So are you willing to admit that Jason Kidd's actually a good coach? He, he certainly has that team playing at a higher level than they No, play. he's not doing it, Uriah. <laughs> he's not going to um, do it. Like, like, at the end of the day, though, Luca's just – I believe he has the highest usage rate in the NBA. Like, like he is, like, the north, south, east, and west for that team offensively. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, his quote-unquote slow start was him still doing everything for a team that didn't give him a lot of help. Um like Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, all those guys have had really strong seasons. He's getting help. I'm not saying he does. You know, it's not like the Nuggets or the Sixers at various points in the season, but that team shouldn't be the four seed in the West, frankly, vying for a, th- the, a top three seed. It Nothing on that roster outside of Luka would suggest that they are of that caliber. And outside of DeRozan, what would you? Is there enough uh, on the Zach board? Levine, Nikola Vucevic, and they weren't even in the playoffs to play in last healthy. year. But Chris, those two leading that team last year weren't even in the play-in. I get it, but um, I, I, I mean, it's Luca just doesn't have a Zach Levine, and he frankly doesn't have a Vucevic on his team. Well, he I had a Porzingis star of that caliber. Porzingis has been up and down. I don't think Porzingis is on the level of those. And guys. to be fair, Dinwiddie, since being traded, has looked like the Dinwiddie from Brooklyn. That's true. And, and Zach Levine's a top 25 player. So I, yeah, I think okay. it's a break there. Okay. Uh, not, not trying to discredit DeMar. DeMar was like my number six. It was very close. I, I almost put DeMar in. I'm, I'm not trying to like diminish what he has accomplished. Um but like Luca just has the ball in his hands literally more than any other player in the NBA. And that doesn't always make you most valuable, but when you consider what he has around him and you consider what Dallas has accomplished in the second half of the season, I, I just went with him. All right, Lucas. Um we're gonna start with all defense first. Let's run down your second team. So at guards I have DeJounte Murray and Thibel. Forwards, I have Herb Jones and Bam Adebayo. And at center, I have Jared Allen. Cool. So, three guards, or pardon me, two guards, three front court positions for the all-defense teams. There mm-hmm. might be some, for this and all-NBA, there might be some, like, position fudging on my part. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. They, yeah, I did it with Bam team. on this all-second team because he's a center. The only time that I did it, though. You're allowed to have three centers on the all-defense team, though. Oh, really? I didn't even... I think it's three front court and two guards. I'm not sure, but that's um, But, so here's my five for all second. I have Drew Holiday and Herb Jones in the guard spots. And I have Jaron Jackson, <laughs> Evan Mobley, and Robert Williams in the front court spots. 
Jaron Jackson, Evan Mobley. Okay, interesting. All right. I thought Herb Jones was a four, a three, though, a three and a four. So that's why I had him in the forward spot. But okay. That's part of me. I, I don't have Jaron Jackson. I have Bam out of bio. Sorry. I'm reading okay. my list wrong. We have, we Drew have. Holiday, Herb Jones, Bam out of bio, Evan Mobley, Robert Williams is my all defense second team. So we both have Herb Jones and Bam in our second team. Interesting. Okay. I was surprised you didn't have Murray in there, honestly. I'm not surprised that you don't have Thibel in there, but I, I thought you would have had Murray or Jared Allen. Yeah. On your my, first here, let me make my case against Thibel here just so we can get that out of the way. Uh, dude, he doesn't play enough. Me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, It's not because of his defense that he doesn't play enough, and he's a brilliant defender when he's on the court. You could totally make the case that he should go here. The numbers back it up. I'm not – again, there are so many valuable, valid candidates – on the defense side of the ball here. Thibault just doesn't play enough. You can't close every game with him because he's not good enough to stay on the court. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Like We're talking about just, defense, not offense, right? That's true. But if you can't play defense for the last five minutes of the game because you're not good enough to be out there, that's going to count against you because the other five guys I lifted are closing every game. So that so has I've, to count against Thibault. So here's some Even stats for not, you, Chris. So this is elite defensive company. 90 steals plus 50 blocks this season. Herbert Jones, 123 steals, 56 blocks. Thiable, 109 steals, 67 blocks. Jokic, 104 steals, 62 blocks. Robert Covington, 99 steals, 90 blocks. Let's look at the minutes. Jokic played 2,400 minutes. Jones, 2,259. Rocco, 1,885 minutes. Thiable only played 1,600 or 1,606 minutes. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not that's saying as, that's astounding. That's so imagine if you played more minutes. Well, remember, you're right. You Chris, Chris, Chris didn't and it's think not he's... because he's hurt. It's because he cannot be out there for some games because the team is better with him off the floor. And that's not explicitly because of his defense. You're right, Uriah. If we're like doing pound for pound, best defender per minute, Seibel's on the list. But these are all guys who can close big games and who play important defense for 30, 35 minutes a night. That's not what Thibault can do very often because he has other limitations. Dude, and that, that's not you, the fault would, of his defense. Who would you rather have on the court at the end of a game other than Thibault guarding the other team's best player? You tell me. I, I mean, like Marcus Smart, Mikhail Bridges, Herb Jones, Drew Holiday, all those guys have cases. So I'll Thibble's ask you: a guy Would you make some pretty costly mistakes? So would you? So you wouldn't rather have? Thibel is a brilliant defender, but like one-on-one late in games, do I want Thibel guarding the other guy over Drew Holiday? Probably not. Okay. Because right. Thibel gambles a lot, and he bites on pump fakes, and he picks up costly fouls. We've seen it multiple times in big moments. He only won the game the other night against Cleveland, but I digress. Yeah. Okay. So you're right. You know. You know. Moments, you know. He's right there on the verge. And again, you can make the case. Lucas obviously made it, but like he's not playing as much of those guys. And that's important. I think being able to close games consistently is important when you're like grading out the most valuable defenders on a team. You have to be able to close games and Thibault can't always do that. 
Thibel is getting attacked from everywhere. He didn't take the COVID shot. He can't play. Well, run. okay, yeah, I'm hurt. Point. Right, but... you're right. We can't say that he didn't take a COVID shot. Oh, okay. We can only I'll edit that. that out. Yeah, he he deserves to be attacked. That's hurting the team. That's <laughs> it is that's a poor decision. Okay, so anyway, anyway, Chris, my only counterpoint to this is you did not believe Thibel deserved to be second team all last year. He made it. That's all I'm going to say about that. I had but, on my team last year, I think. So, no, I'm pretty sure you didn't. I think I did. I think if you can, if you can find it, let me know. If you can find it, let me know. He didn't play enough minutes Look, last year. Herb Lucas. Jones, who is on my team, <laughs> yeah. is on the same. And by list. the way, he's playing more minutes this year than he did last year. Chris. He is, and I, 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 I think there are guys again who have just passed him this year, like like Marcus mm-hmm. Smart, having the best defensive season of his career. He's on my first team. Yeah, he's um okay. So let's just just go to first team now. Yeah, well, I have Marcus Smart on my first team too. But who else do you have on your first team? Uh, I have Rudy Gobert, James yeah. Jackson Jr., Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, in the front court, I have Mikhail and Marcus Smart in the back court. So we're almost identical, except at the center position. That's right, Chris. I took R- Rudy Gobert off this list. I I'm done with having him be Good like I'm done. I'm done. I'm and I chose Rob. I chose Robert Williams. I think that's a fair option. I'm very proud of you. I know you disagree, but I I'm I I, nope. I can't do Rudy Gobert. I I wish I could be at that point personally. I'm not like the world's biggest Rudy Gobert fan or anything. I I, I admire you for your conviction, uh, but. <laughs> I know you clearly disagree, but uh, I, I yeah. well, I mean, no, I think I think you could make the case that Robert Williams has been and, and Jared Allen have been more impactful centers than Rudy Gobert has this season. You could, I think, there's a valid argument to be made. Yeah, sure, uh, <laughs> sure, I, you could. I'm okay, well, obviously, I'm not going to reach Chris guy. So let's go to our all uh, <laughs> NBA teams. Yeah, let's do our all NBA third teams here first, Lucas. We'll work up the first team. Who is on your list? So third team, I got guards Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, forwards Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Center is Carl Anthony Towns. Cool. Checks out. Um. My guard is Steph Curry and Trey Young. My two forwards are Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant. And my center is Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. Okay, fair. Fair. I I don't hate it. I mean, I almost had Curry on my third team, but I changed it last second because I yeah. did some finagling. That's fair. Um, How about your second team? Okay. You're going to hate me, Chris. You ready to hate me? Uh no. Guards Luca, Steph, forwards Durant, James, center Jokic. LeBron James. LeBron James. Oh, yes. Out of the playoff Lakers. Hey, the one two three. This is, hey, this is not a winning award. This is the best player award. Okay. This is the. This His is not the all. Sick. You're His giving up. You're giving up another most points scored award. I'm. I'm kidding. Of course. Um, I almost have LeBron on my teams. Uh, my second team is Rudy at center, Demar Derozan and Jason Tatum at the forward spots. I knew you were going to do uh, this. Chris Sorry, Paul. Go ahead. Chris Paul at guard. John Morant at guard. 
I know what you're doing for your first team. And that's why I had to change my first team at the very end. Um, so first off, I think Carl Anthony Towns has had a better season than Rudy Gobert. Going to throw Again, that out there. I would love to have that same opinion. There's certainly a case for it. Um, I, I I really went back and forth on those two as far as who's second team and who's third team. You can make the case mm-hmm. either way. So because uh, when I had what I think you're going to do with your first team, when I did the same thing, I had Gobert third and Cat second, but. Outside, who were your other who were your forwards and guards? Uh, Rosen uh, and Tatum were my forwards, then Chris okay. Paul and John Morant were my two guards. I had DeRozan on my second team initially too, but then I realized if he's on my MVP ballot, he cannot be second team. So here's okay. So let's go to the first team then. What's your list? You go first. Okay, I got John Morant, Devin Booker, DeRozan. Giannis, Joel. I'm pretty sure what I know what you did, and we're going to argue. Uh, we're not going to argue, but we're going to talk about this. Yeah. So I have Luca and Devin Booker in the guard spots. Then I have Giannis, Joel, and Jokic. Um, it's my MVP ballot, quite literally, just like down the list. So yeah. Technically, I have Joel as a forward. This should be positionless. We shouldn't have to pick, like, it's all outdated, frankly. The idea that only one center is going to make first team and like the second or third finisher in MVP voting is going to be second team is ridiculous to me. The idea that Jokic and Embiid wouldn't be good on the same team is ludicrous. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm putting two guys who have had one of the five best seasons in the NBA on the same on the first team. That's I think what they should both be given, but. Uh, it probably won't land that way. So, I did the f- same thing at first. I had both of them on the on my first team when I first did this, and then I had time to think about it. And I'm I'm thinking about the historian inside of me because I, you know, I graduated with BA in history, and I was like, I got to keep true to the tradition because there were plenty of times in NBA history when like the two best players were big men like Wilt and Bill Russell, but they never made first team at the same time. One of them always was pushed down the second team. Yeah. And you I, could go, you can, you can go, you could go anywhere. You mean you could do it with Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade. And I you know, do not think that past injustices should prevent future progress. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I'm, I'm, change. We should mm-hmm. facilitate change. We should advocate for change. Joel and Jokic should both be first team. It should be positionless. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't disagree with you. I think it should be positionless for first team, but until the uh, they actually make that a thing, I can't do it. That's 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 the only that's that's my counter argument. But you're totally against voting for one of them as a forward because they are both. Well, eligible. I, no, I had I had Jokic as my forward, and the reason was because he actually played power forward it, it, for decent stretches for in the beginning of his career when him and uh, Yusuf Nurkic were on the same team. Um, but no, no, no. I, 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 here's the other thing, Chris, if some of the ballots vote one of them for power forward, but most of the ballots vote one of them for, you know, one of them for center, let's just say, for example, some people vote Joel power forward, but then most of them vote him center. The counts for the votes for center, or if the votes for center is the majority, those are the only ones that are going to count for Joel, which would automatically make him second team. So it doesn't I have enough. You. 
I agree. Yeah. One of them's going to be on second team. It's probably going to be Joel, and people are going to be really upset about it. But why do we, outside of the voting body, we don't have official ballots. Why do we have to play by those rules? Why can't we embrace the change that we want to see in the world, Lucas? Well, first off, we have to have a little bit of diversity on the podcast. Let's be clear. And I thought you would do this too. But the other thing is, is like, I, and yeah, I would love for this to happen. I would love position us all NBA teams. I think it would make a lot more sense. I don't disagree. I'm not disagreeing with you, Chris. I get what you're saying. I get where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, I got, I got to go with, I, I, I got to do this. I got, I got to go with the, I got to go with tradition. Like, you know, fiddler on the roof tradition. So I, I, I got to do it that way, man. I, I, I know you, you don't agree and that's fine. But this, this is until it changes. I'm, I'm gonna keep on doing my ballots the same way that everybody else is doing it. And you can call me, a, you know, conformist, whatever. I don't care. But that's, that's just how I'm doing it. All right, man. Whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever. What's your vote? You know, if that's how you want to be. That's how you. I, I, you I, it's not how I want to be. It's how I have to be. It's, it's tradition. <laughs> it's tradition. Gosh, if you haven't seen Fiddler on the Roof, Chris, uh, that's another movie I want you to put on your queue. By the way, for those that don't know, after the podcast, when we're still talking while this thing is uploading, me, me and Uriah give Chris movie recommendations all the time because Chris is a big film guy and he's trying to get into more films. So if you want to comment a film that maybe Chris should watch, go for it. Just keep it, you know, fan-sided appropriate. Yes, please do. I will also watch films that are not fan-sided appropriate if you want to comment <laughs> on my private twitter account chris's favorite movie is ride along too <laughs> he has great taste in movies no 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 no. his favorite movie is nicholas cage drive angry uh I not quite uh, you, you I, don't I've want been to on a bit of a nick cage <laughs> run lately though so if anyone out there do want to see the new snake eyes no no no, no. The new, the new, what's the new nick cage movie that's coming out where he's like acting as himself the unbearable weight of massive talent i'll be there it's, first week uh, opening weekend i'll be there i, I kind of want to see it because it looks really funny because it has the guy from mandalorian in it too as the bad guy right uh yep i'm yeah i'm all for it okay we're getting off topic sorry we got distracted there for a second and go to our not so great awards and your eye made this up i'm all for it let's try it so chris first one who's the biggest flopper in the nba right now uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm quite in line with the negative energy of this section. Oh my gosh! But yeah, I don't know, man. I don't like watch games paying attention to who's flopping the most. You could like, I guess Patrick Beverly or some crap, but or Marcus <laughs> I was Smart. Flowers, <laughs> like two of the most competitive defenders in the NBA too. So I, I would say. Patrick Beverly, whatever you know. I, I'll I'll say Kyle Lowry just because he gets a lot sure, of charges. Sure, Kyle Lowry. A lot of people will tell you it's Joel, which I think is ridiculous. But you know, Joel is gonna flop. Get it. Get <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next one. Who needs to retire this year? Uh, DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> uh, I got. I have a tie for this one. Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan. Yep, you already guessed it. Yep, you you're you're spot on. You're spot on. Yeah, no, I I think those two. You're right. Did you have anybody else in mind, or was this particularly you're, targeted at you, those two? You're both wrong. You got to go, Udonis Haslam. Nah, stealing money. Said. He's like 52 years old. 
Nah, he's like 44 or Close something. Who's mad at the fact that DeAndre – like, who's mad at Udonis Haslam, though? He doesn't do anything. That's yeah, he's the point. He's That's like a point. nice locker room guy. Everyone in Miami loves him. Oh, okay, he's not nice, but he's That's a good a team that loves culture, <laughs> loves to talk about how, you know, heat culture. All right. Everyone there loves Udonis. Based upon performance. Okay, I'll yeah, to you guys. DeAndre Jordan. I haven't seen Udonis yeah. Haslam have a single defensive breakdown this season. I've seen two. Of course, and again, he usually gets ejected every time that he plays. So. Look, the player Udonis ends up in the front row. Is playing the role that DeAndre Jordan should be playing. Is yeah. Really what it is. Um so I, I I'll I'll say this in my most recent bashing of Paul Millsap in one of my articles I said he's about as as useful as Mike uh, Mike Scott was in his last season here. No, which is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's tough. That's a tough. They, yeah, it's true though. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so speaking of Mike Scott, who we're all glad that he's not shooting anymore. Chris, who does need to stop shooting in the NBA right now? Oh wait! You gotta call it the award, the stop, stop shooting, shooting award. Sorry, sorry. Get it right. Redo that, buddy. Okay, okay. Don't don't slap me. I'm not Chris Rock. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, Chris, who should win the stop shooting award? Um, any Matisse Thibel jokes out there for the? No, 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 no. I mean, I mean... Uh, I, mean, I, it's a joke. I, mean, I saw a really bad one about it's him not taking too many shots and referring to the COVID thing. Since so, Harden got here, he's shooting 45%. Yeah, he's clearly not taking enough shots um, in that sense, Lucas. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> we're having way too much fun with this. this I don't one. know. I have stopped shooting award. I don't have a name for this. Come I, on. I do. I do. I do. Please I do. give it to me. Russell Westbrook. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Westbrook. Yeah. Okay. I'll adapt that. Be careful. He might yeah. stalk you if he hears you say that. Or, or his wife. Anyway. Um. Okay. So this, I'm interested because I'm going to choose a player that I think you're going to disagree with, Chris, on here. But who's the dirtiest player? And I want to go who first. Who gets the dirtiest? I go first. I go okay. You're right. You can go. You, well, you're right. You can't just chime in at the end. You had to. Did you do the stop shooting award? Uh, I was going to say Westbrook. Okay. I was going to say Westbrook. Who, who's the, your biggest flopper? Uh, Marcus Smart. Okay, fair. Well, yeah. What about uh, who needs to retire? I said or, it already. No, no, Donis Haslam. All right. Who's, who gets the dirtiest player award, Uriah? Dirtiest player in the NBA this year is none other than the phony MVP candidate, Nikola Jokic. Oh, you put stole Marcus, mine. Put Marcus Morris out for like four months. You stole mine. And he got a slap on the wrist for it. If it was the other way around, Morris would be suspended, fined, and miss like three weeks of of NBA action. But anyway, I'm sorry. All right. Um, I I agree with your eye. That's my vote as well. (laughs) Generally, my view on most quote-unquote dirty NBA plays is that guys – like make mistakes and they cross lines that they shouldn't or they make irresponsible choices. I don't think there are many dirty players like Marcus Smart, you know, Patrick Beverly. Again, those are guys who like do some pretty questionable things every now and then, but it's really because they're just trying too hard or not too hard, but they, they cross lines every now and then. The only guy I think you could argue like has a real track record of being maybe dirty is Grayson Allen, who took Ooh, Alex Crusoe out of the league for two months this year. If we're going to talk Broke about his it. hand. Yeah. So 
that's the only one who like even has a quote unquote like a case to be maybe, maybe like maybe be characterized as dirty in my opinion. Um, I mean, just, you could make the case. So to... with Jokic, I I get it. Jokic was responding to a thing like Marcus Morris instigated that confrontation. Mark, Mark I'm not saying Jokic like what he did was okay or that it was cool, uh, but like he like got Marcus Morris instigated that conflict. It wasn't. Like a basketball play, it was outside of the play. So I don't. You can you can make the case that the Morris brother, brothers are actually pretty dirty players. Yeah, I mean. the Morris brothers like to get in people's faces. They like to muck things up. Again, Marcus, had he not like pushed Jokic, wouldn't have been getting shoved in the back. But they don't. So, they don't hump players while they're down on the ground like Jokic does. That's weird. I don't know. Okay, wait a second. What are you talking yeah. about? You don't remember that he was like, no. no. I, I mean, I know you. You, you know. Joel does some hip thrust whenever oh, he gets fouled, but it's like I think twice this year a player was on the ground and Jokic wouldn't let him up, and it looked like he was kind of uh, well, you know. keep it well, PG. Jokic right. takes longer to get back to his feet than most <laughs> six foot guards, and that's just because like so does Joel. That's what seven foot. I don't know. Do. Look pretty yeah. intentional. Uh, I don't, I'm all for the um, hip thrust from Joel after he gets an and one, but uh, yeah, there's a difference between it. like. Being physical and being annoying and being dirty, I don't think Jokic is dirty. Like uh, you could argue I, that I, that I, I kind of like I kind of like your Grayson Allen. That's actually you a really could good argue that that specific play on Marcus or Markeef was was dirty, but like again, Markeef instigated it and it goes both ways. So yeah, the the Moore's brothers have definitely been known for. Uh... Taking some cheap shots. Uh, yeah, I think Grayson Allen's the obvious candidate yeah. if we're gonna like yeah. have to call someone dirty. But generally, I don't like to call guys dirty. You know, man, I don't, man, I don't know how Grayson Allen is. Ugh. Hey, before before you guys wrap things up, can I do a quick plug for my Doctor J article? It hopefully comes out tomorrow. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. So, okay. real quick, I, my best memory of Doctor J obviously was when he played in the finals and. And I remember going to his final regular season game at the Spectrum the year that he was retiring. I was so proud at that moment. Dr. J is a legend in everyone's eyes in Philadelphia. But when he came out today, actually it was a few days ago, sorry. And he said that Jokic deserves the MVP over Embiid. I I just I had to write about it. So uh, if you guys check that article out, I would appreciate it. And um yeah, mm-hmm. Dr. J is in, he's in a he's in a bad place right now in a lot of fans' minds of Philly. Yeah, that 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 did seem like a betrayal for sure for most yeah. fans. Um, but anyway, I mean, I mean, I'm sure Chris probably agrees, but you know, with <laughs> Dr. J, but, you know Chris has always been the Look, uh, man. All three of them deserve it. That's the thing. They're all having MVP seasons. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Can't play the fence, Chris. You got to go with Joe, man. I I'm not. I I picked Jokic. I'm not playing the uh, fence, but. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Most seasons, Joel would be running away with it, and that like that sucks. But Chris sometimes... is a big fort. Are we guy. in the gold? Are we in the new golden age of big men? Well, here's what I'll say, Lucas. So here's what, in my opinion, I'm not putting Chris in this bunch, but I think that the voters, what's going to sway them? There's two categories that they're going to go with. So if if all right, first you have you have finesse versus power. And you have mm-hmm. passing versus defense. If you're a voter and you value passing and finesse, you're going to go Jokic. If mm-hmm. you value power and defense, you're going to go and beat. 
it just seems like that's that's how I oversimplify things. That's mm -hmm. that's because the numbers are, you can find numbers to go on either side. I think yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think yeah, and it's the narrative. I think the narrative plays a big part of it. But that's not what I was saying, Uri. I was just thinking. You think of Giannis, and you think of Joel. You think of you think of Jokic. You think of even guys like Cat and Gobert. Like in, ten years ago in the NBA, they would have been like. They could have been pushing Dwight or Andrew, clearly Andrew Bynum, but probably Dwight for the best center in the NBA. Like, let's be clear. Like, the, and the, now they're like four or five. Bam, like, Bam's no joke. Aiden's making his way up there. Give him another year or two. Like, guys, this is, I think this we're back in a new golden age of big men, and I love it. Well, look who's coming out of Gazaga, the Chet guy. He's going to be. I, uh, yeah. What? I'm a little pessimistic. He's really wow. thin. Like he's well, seven. Look at Giannis. Like, is that like Giannis when was you were pessimistic about Luca, Lucas? <laughs> okay. Or right. okay. Well, pessimism. you know what? I can be wrong, and maybe I am wrong. I'm not the draft guy among this group. That's clearly clearly you. But I've been right about a couple guys before too. Scotty okay? Barnes. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I think on that note, before I get bashed too much, I think Chris should go ahead and play us out. All right. Uh, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another week's episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or at our website, thesixersense.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixer Sense. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, so we will have more than enough to talk about in the upcoming episodes so please stay tuned again twice a week normally monday and thursday you're going to get a podcast out of us so keep on tuning in we'll be here to talk sixers and until then peace out everyone everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.